What a great confirmation. I needed it. I have been with a verse of Scripture that has stirred me and troubled me. And uh, I was looking at it through a particular lens that did not allow me to see what God, uh, I think, was wanting me to see. And I wasn't getting anywhere until I stepped away from it and I tried to hear the voice of the Lord. And he spoke to me and made it very clear. And I hope I can share some of that with you. It will not be lengthy, I don't think. But for a few moments, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 8, one verse of Scripture. Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse number 20. Jeremiah 8 and 20. If you have your Bibles open, you will find it reads like this. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not Saved. I have often misread that, but I feel like tonight perhaps the Lord will help us get a better understanding of that verse and more than that, the message that that verse conveys to all of us. My question tonight, or rather, I guess my title is in the form of a question. What are we waiting on? Would you say that with me? What are we waiting on? Let's make it personal. What am I waiting on? Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It was John Greenleaf Whittier who penned the words, something to the effect that for all sad words of tongue or pen are these sad words it might have been. I have often thought about that in the context of lost opportunity. But every time I think of that phrase, I am made mindful of what could have been. And I think that is what the poet was trying to convey in his simple words, that there was something there that might have been, but it was lost. It was uh, not utilized. And what should have been did not happen, and what could have been did not take place. A few years ago, one of the popular songwriters and musicians of our world by the name of John Mayer wrote a very catchy song and I even heard it and I caught myself even humming the tune a time or two and the name of the song was Waiting on the World to Change. Waiting on the World to Change. And I thought that's a, that's, that's a great message. Until I started looking at all the lyrics and I found out that what I was reading was 
the words of an embittered young man who felt like the world was all wrong and it was at odds. And this is kind of how it goes. It said, me and my friends, we're all misunderstood. They say we stand for nothing and there's no way we ever could. Now we see everything that's going wrong with the world and those who lead it. We just feel like we don't have the means to rise above and beat it. So we are waiting, waiting on the world to change. Waiting, waiting on the world to change. He said it's hard to beat the system when you're standing at a distance so we keep Waiting, waiting on the world to change. Now, if we had the power to bring our neighbors home from war, they would never have missed a Christmas. No more ribbons on their door. And when you trust your television, what you get is what you got. Because when they own the information, oh, they can bend it all they want. So we're waiting, waiting on the world to change. It's not that we don't care. We just know that the right, that the fight ain't fair. So we keep waiting, waiting on the world to change. Then he goes on to say, one day our generation is going to rule the population. So keep waiting, waiting on the world to change. The lyrics, I think, speak well of a generation, but more than that, they speak of a mindset that is often in our own hearts. And we are all guilty of waiting on the world to change. Waiting on the world to change. The texts that we read from tonight are some of the most mournful and sad words of Scripture. You cannot read them without coming away with this shaken feeling that something important was missed. Something important was forfeited. Something that was vital had been left on the table. They talk about The summer is past and the harvest is ended and yet we are not saved. And I have often looked at that in the context of just lost opportunity until I went back and read it again the last few days. And I realized that this was not the prophet Jeremiah that was saying those words. It were the people of God. It was Israel that was making that statement. It was Israel that was waiting for God to change their situation. It is obvious that they didn't like their present circumstances. They didn't like where they were. They didn't like where they were living. They didn't like the oppression, they didn't like being away from their homeland. And so they were waiting, waiting on the world to change. And they had become frustrated and they were aggravated that the nothing, nothing was changing in their 
situation, though they mourned. He said, the summer has passed, the harvest is ended, and yet our situation has not changed. I love the message translation that simply says, the crops are in, the summer is over, but for us, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. The tragedy of that statement is in the fact that they had failed to realize that what needed to change was not their present situation. What needed to change was Israel. And while they were waiting on their situation to change, God was waiting on Israel to change so he could change their situation. And he was going to leave them there as long as it took 70 years. It took to get them to the place where they realized where they were and what they needed. And when I read that this afternoon again, I thought, you know what, how sad it is that many of us are waiting on things to change. We're waiting on our circumstances to change. We don't like our present situation. We don't like what's going on at home or in our job or a lot of other places. We don't like what's happening in our world. And so we keep waiting on the world to change. And and we, we cop this attitude with God. God, if you really cared about us, why will you not change our present situation? when all the time God is trying to use our present situation to change us. Amen. What are you waiting on tonight? Some of you are waiting on God to work some things out. And God said, I I would rather you let me work on you and then I'll work those things out. And if you'll just give me the opportunity, I can bring you to the right place a whole lot quicker and a whole lot better than you are going to find life to be if you just keep going on waiting on the world to change. You see, that's the tragedy with so many people in life. They're wanting everything else around them to be different. They want it to be better, but they don't want to be better. They are not interested in change in their own life. They want their job to change. They want the climate to change. They want their circumstances to change. And they want their house to change. And they want their marriage to change. And they want their financial situation to change. But the reality is what really needs a change is not the circumstance or the finances or the job or the house. What needs to change? Change is this guy right here. Because if God can affect a change in me, then he can affect a change in my environment. But here's the truth. That God could change your world right now. But if you don't change, you'll find a way to ruin it real quick. 
you'll find a way to bring that negative attitude into that new situation. And pollute it just like we have the present one that we might be in. Or fill it with all of the moaning and groaning and the sad words that that keep flowing out of us. I just don't understand why God won't answer my prayer. I don't understand why God's not listening to me. Hey, I got news for you. God hears your prayer. But that's not the prayer he's wanting to hear. What he's wanting to hear is for one of us, me in particular, to stop moaning about my circumstances circumstances and start laying myself before him and say, God, I don't care if you don't change my circumstances. I don't care if you don't change my surroundings, but I am desperate for you to change me because I need that change in my own life. I'm going to preach about myself for a little while. I'm probably one of the biggest and best complainers in this church. Some of you don't believe that, but I am. You don't hear my private conversation with God. And I'm making some of you uncomfortable right now, but that's what the Holy Ghost is trying to do. The Holy Ghost is trying to wake some of us up right now and say, listen to me. It's not your circumstances that are the problem. The problem is if you'll just let me work on you, I can fix what's in you that will help you be in a better place to enjoy the circumstances that I will change. But if you don't change, my changing your circumstances won't matter one ounce. Amen. I am a complainer though, privately, secretly to my wife. I hate to confess that, but I tell you what, lately the Lord has been really working me over. I want things to be different in certain circumstances and I've voiced my opinion and I've got until the Lord began to convict me and say, is that all you're going to do is just spend the rest of your life bemoaning what is? That's not the problem out there. Look in the mirror. That's where the problem is. You've let something get between you and me that doesn't need to be between you and me. You've let something get in your spirit that doesn't need to get in your spirit. Amen. So what are we waiting on? I tell you what God's waiting on. He's not waiting on our circumstances to change because God can help you in your circumstances to live victorious in whatever circumstances you, he can bless you in Egypt. He can bless you where he did it to Israel for 400 years. They weren't in their homeland, but God blessed them and called them to be multiplied. I'm just here to tell you that as long as you will let God work on you first, God will take care of the situation when the situation needs to be taken care of but God could take care of that situation and if he doesn't somehow find a change in me I'll find a way to spoil what God does Psalm chapter 55 verse number 19 somebody can get that up on the screen for me real quick one of those verses in scripture that just gets inside of you and it it stirs you every time you read it but Psalms 55 and verse number 19. He said, God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old. Why? 
because they have no changes. They have no changes. They have no changes. They, why does God allow that oppression to continue? Why does he allow that depression to linger? God's not allowing anything. I'm the one that's keeping that cloud over my head because I'm not willing to let God do a change in me. But if I can ever humble myself and say, God, I don't care if you fix them. I don't care if you fix it. I don't care if that's altered. I don't care if nothing in my life around me changes. I want a change in my life. I want something in me to be different than what it has been. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. (laughs) Jeremiah chapter 48. Jeremiah chapter 48 and verse number 11. And if you thought I preached this because you were going to be here tonight, you're mistaken. I didn't know who was going to be here, but the Holy Ghost did. Jeremiah chapter 48 and verse number 11. He said, Moab hath been at ease from his youth. And he hath settled on his lees, and hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel, neither hath he gone into captivity. Therefore, what happens when there is no change in our life? What happens when we do not allow God to transform us individually, spiritually? Something happens. And the Bible said his taste remaineth in him and his scent is not changed. He is the same, one translation said, as he was before. The present circumstances are not my problem. My problem is the guy looking at me in the mirror. He's the one that needs to be changed. And that's what I am asking God for in all of greater life. I don't know when we'll get out of this building. It really doesn't matter to me right now. What matters to me is that I'm in a place where God can change me and mold me and bring me to that place where we can bust this building out, where we would have to go to two services in this building rather than waiting for something out there. Why not let God do it right here? Hallelujah. I got another one for you. What happens if that never happened? Can we still have a revival in this building right here? Can we still see a church explode in revival like God wants to give it to us? We can if God can find us in that place where he can change us. Amen. God, change me. Amen. I I don't want to get to the place where I, I lose my taste. Some people can get to the place spiritually where they can't even discern the visitation of the Holy Ghost. What we had this morning was boring to them. What we had this morning was a distraction to them, was a waste of time. What are we doing? Why don't we go on? Why isn't he preaching? That's what happens when we lose our taste for the real things that matter, the spiritual things. The scent of their life had gone unchanged. 
Now, that's a pretty good word picture. (laughs) You know what people begin to smell like when they don't take a bath? You love them at a distance. Amen. And we're wanting God to get cozy, cozy with us. We're wanting God to get close to us. We're wanting God to embrace us. But the scent of our life is the fact that we haven't been washed. We haven't been changed. We haven't been, we haven't been purified. And yet we want God to embrace us. And God said, I'll be glad to embrace you as soon as you'll humble yourself and, and put yourself where I can do something for you. I want to bless you. I want to change your circumstances. I don't like you being where you are any more than you are. But I'm here to tell you that I can change that. But if this guy right here doesn't change, You'll find a way to ruin that Just like Adam and Eve found a way to ruin paradise We'll find a way to mess up God's best for our life Somehow There's got to be a change in me You need to take that do not disturb sign off the door Amen The most dangerous spiritual condition that any of us could ever fall into is highlighted in the verses that I have read. That they are not emptied from vessel to vessel. There's no change. Because of that, they lose their taste. They lose their appeal. There's more. I want to tell you what's more insulting to God than sin. You ready for this? You know what's more insulting to God than sin? Is lukewarmness. He said, I would rather you be cold or hot. I'd rather you be close to me or a far place from me. But what I cannot handle is that person that doesn't want to be chained. What I cannot stomach, what makes me nauseated is the man or the woman that needs to change. But they don't care to change. They need a change. They don't need their situation to change. God could bless you with 10,000 better jobs. But if he doesn't change you, it's not going to change your situation. There's got to be Something in me that is altered. Something in me that is rearranged. So that when God puts me in that situation, I can use it and bless God with it. And God can be blessed by my life. Amen. The most dangerous thing that can happen to me is to let coldness creep into my life. And hardness. I'm going to tell you something that I I am more fearful of. The longer I live than anything else, and that is hardness. And it happens so subtly. You don't even realize it's happening, but you become calloused. Things are said, and, and, and what used to be offensive to you, it no longer offends you. What used to put your senses up and say, oh, whoa, whoa, that's not right. I don't, I don't want to hear that. Don't talk to me like that. Don't, don't say those things to me. I don't want to be a part of that. We readily embrace them because we have lost our sin. We have lost our ability to discern the good from the evil. We've gotten so accustomed to some of this stuff that we've not let God really get down inside of us in so long and shake us up and say, God, I I need you to change me. I need you to alter my thinking. I need you to renew my mind. I need you to change 
my attitude. Hallelujah. Amen. One translation said they become set in their own ways. Does that sound familiar? Set in their own ways. They don't want change. They pay it no mind. They don't want that to happen. Amen. Because there's no changes. The psalmist said. They come to the place that they didn't see any need for it. They see other people that need it. Amen. (laughs) Oh, Lord, I I don't want to be a meddler tonight. They want somebody else to change in their life, but they're not willing to change. I'm going to tell you something. That other person could change in your life. But if you don't change, you're not going to be able to enjoy the change they've made. You'll still gripe about the same things. Forgive me, Jesus. I didn't mean to say all this. I don't have this written in my notes, so I don't know where it's coming from. Maybe it's coming from you, Lord. Amen. Praise God. I have, I have caught myself recently in a negative frame of mind until I finally confessed to some of my brethren. I said, look, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of this. I don't care if there's 10,000 wrongs around me. I can't afford to let one of them get in me because that one that gets in me will destroy me. And even though this situation, whatever it might be, could change or not change. But if I am soured, if I am embittered, I think that needs to be the heart cry of our church. How heartbreaking it must be for God to provide opportunities. And he had done that for Jeremiah's people, for his own people. He had done that for Israel. He had provided them change. But instead of them taking advantage of that change, they had waited on things to change. They had waited on their world to change. And they bemoaned its sad condition. And they complained about things being unfair. And they moaned that if they could only get in charge, It would be a better day. And the reality is it's not going to be a better day because if you're not any different there than you are here, if I'm not any different there than I am here, there will be nothing good that can come out of that. What needs to transpire before I go any further in my life is that I need to get to the place where I can surrender all that to God and say, God, you don't have to change them. You don't have to change my environment. You don't have to do one thing different around me, but I do need you to do something different in me. Come on, stand to your feet right now and let's praise Him together. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 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 Amen. I agree that the tragedy of missed opportunity is greater than any of us can even understand. And I feel like many times I've squandered opportunities that God's given to me to bring myself to the place of humbling myself and saying, you know what, I'm sorry. I I, I shouldn't have said that. I reacted. I shouldn't have reacted that way. 
Brother Hughes, I don't want to do that because you don't know what they did to me. I don't care what they did to you. It doesn't matter what they did to you. It doesn't matter what they did to me. You say, yes, it does. No, it doesn't. What matters is what's happening in me. And I just have come to the place, maybe it's old age and maybe I'm just getting cranky, but I don't want anybody else having control over my life. And if I let what people do to me affect me like that, they have control over my life. Amen. You know, we've been praying for better jobs. I want that. We've had that already happen. But there's some of you that it has not happened and you're developing an attitude. And you don't even want to pray that prayer anymore because it's it's just not working for you. Or maybe the better job's not what I need. A better me might be what I need. Amen. I'm not being mean tonight. I promise you. I don't, I, if I sound that way, I'm not mad. I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you the Holy Ghost has been working on me. And when God works on me, I know He's wanting to work on you. If you want things to change in your environment, let me make a change in you. If you want things around you to be different and better, let me change something on the inside of you. Amen. Praise God. Oh, God, I want you to work on me. I mean that, God. And if I have to go repent and ask somebody to forgive me and they don't even know I've said anything or done anything, I, I want to be willing to do that because it, it's not about them. It's not about it. It's not about the surroundings. It's about me. I don't want anything to get in my heart. I don't want anything to happen to me that would not allow my life to be refreshed so I could not be poured from vessel to vessel, renewed. I don't want there to be such a scent around my life that you're repelled by that. When I come in my hour of need, I want you to embrace me. Now you say, I don't think God is like that. Well, read the Bible and listen to what the Scripture says. Obviously, something was going on there that repelled God. He said, "There's I can stand... Just complete coldness. And I love people to be hot, red hot for me. But I cannot handle lukewarm. I can't handle that person that doesn't know whether they are or they aren't. Whether they're going to or they're not. Amen. God's trying to get us to come all the way in. Amen. I'm telling you, church. Our church is about to be transformed in some way. Some of us, it's going to blow some of us away. And some of us, if we're not careful, we're going to be left on the side of the road and we're going to wonder, what happened? Is that what I want? No, sir. Whatever God's getting ready, whatever God's doing, whatever God's preparing, I want to be right in the middle of it. Everything. Amen. Everything. Everything. I don't want to miss anything. Was it Bobby Kennedy that said some men see things that are and ask why? Some men see things that are and ask why not? And somebody added a little line said, and some people see what happens and say, wow, what was that about? I, I don't, I don't want that. 
I don't want, this is my church. I don't mean I own it. This, this is my church though. I love my church. I know that's a popular thing nowadays. And somebody said, well, we don't want to do that because everybody else, I think we ought to love our church. I love my church. I love my church so much that whatever it takes, whatever consecration, whatever prayer, whatever commitment, I want to be willing to make it and do it because this is my church. This is where I get fed. This is where I get lifted up. This is where I get encouraged. This is where I find help. This is where I get fellowship. This is where I get better. (laughs) This is my church. Amen. I'm not looking for another one. I'm not looking for a better one. I want to help make this a better one. And the way I can help make this a better one is for me to become a better one. Amen. Amen. How many of you are hungry tonight for God to take us to that next level? Oh, Holy Ghost. We are hungry for that tonight. But I know, God, for me to get there, there's got to be a transformation in my life. There's got to be a change in me. There's got to be a change in my attitude, in my spirit. There's got to be a change in my my mindset. There's got to be a change in the way that I live and do and act. Amen. Oh God, work a change in me tonight. If you're hungry tonight and you're, you're sincerely wanting God to do great things for Greater Life Church. And you want it to begin with you. Why don't you come and join me right now, would you? We're not going to be lengthy. Oh, God, I want you to work something in my life. I want you to transform my mind and my spirit. I want to be renewed. I want my heart to be refreshed. I want my scent to be fresh. I want my life to be attractive. I want to be in a place where you're not ashamed to be called my God. Oh, hallelujah. You're not ashamed to be called my God. God, work that change in me. Lord, you don't have to change somebody else. You don't have to change my situation. I've, I've become a moaner of situations when really I need to be concerned about me. If if I can have a change in my life, then you can take care of my situation. You can put me in a better place. But Lord, you're not going to do it until I get in a better place. Until I've humbled myself. Until I've called out and I've cried out to you, God. I need your help. I can't do it by myself. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to fix it. I'm tired of trying to fix it. Fix me. God, fix me. Fix me. Work on me tonight, God. Renew my mind. Let my thoughts, let my spirit be refreshed and revived. Let my heart be renewed in the Holy Ghost. Let me come to that place of speaking in other tongues again. Let me come to that place of spiritual renewal again. Let your presence wash over my soul. Lord, revive me in the midst of the year. In the midst of trouble, revive me, O God. Oh Lord, forget my circumstances. Work on me, God. Work on me. 
Work on me, work on me, work on me, work on me. Oh God, oh God, change my mind. Help me, help me, Lord, that I would change my mind. Help me that I would change my attitude. Help me that I would change, Lord, my spirit, my attitude, my thoughts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, work it in my life tonight, Lord. Break up the fallow ground. Break up the fallow ground and seek the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, break it. Let's break it up. Break it up, break it up, break it up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Jesus.